Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Well, uh, welcome and good morning. Uh, I hope that the baptism was as exciting on this end as mine. Uh, I heard that there was a running dialogue of my thoughts. Uh, Marty and I just, we, we know we, we are brothers, and so he just knows me. Uh, man, I, I am excited to be with you guys. I'm excited to walk with you further through the life of David. If this is your first week, welcome if you're coming back. Awesome. We are still looking at the life of this historical, biblical king of Israel, a man by the name of David, uh, a man who had many various experiences that were both awesome and horrible, like he had joys and he had tragedies. And what's so incredible, though, about walking through his life is that we don't just see what he experienced, but we see the emotion behind it. We don't just see what happened. We see how he felt in the midst of that, because we don't just have his stories. We also have his psalms. And so like like Psalm 139, which we just read, we get to peer into David's soul in the middle of his circumstances. We get to see his heart in every situation. And what we see is a heart that God reveals through circumstance, but then refines through work refines to the point and molds and shapes and transforms to the point that God would look at David's heart and he would say, that's the heart I want my people to have. That's a heart that's in line with my own. That's a heart that was shaped by, again, many different experiences, some of which looked a lot like uh, this. Millie's my favorite. Look how calm she is as well. That's it, Right? That's the look. That's the face. That's the face that a lot of us will have if we're seeing, or maybe we're graduating in May. That's just kind of like where we are right now, right? Like, and we've been there for a few months now, and we'll probably keep being there for another couple months. A lot of times we find ourselves in decision-making times, and the reality is that a lot of college is that, right? A lot of college, when you come in, people are like, decide, decide, make a choice, make a choice, right? It's like, hey, what major do you want to be? What organization do you want to join? Hey, who do you want to date? Like, careful, you might marry them. And you're like, oh, like, what's going on? Like, ah, and you have to make all of these decisions and all of these choices one after the other. And so many times we hit those moments where we're just, uh, we're a calm owl, right? Or whatever that is. Suddenly we find ourselves faced with these, these, these branches, these forks in the road. And we don't know how to handle it. We're, we're unsure of how to move forward. And yet when we look in Scripture, we find incredible examples, we find incredible principles that guide us in those moments, in those decision-making processes to where we don't have to be anxious. We don't have to be wide-eyed and terrified, which happens many times because we've seen old plans fall apart. We've seen, we've arrived at destinations we didn't mean to get to. And because of that, when we're making choices, we think, man, what if I mess this up? What if, what, what if I derail my life with this choice? And yet when we look at the life of David, we see a heart that is discerning in the decision-making process And we see a heart that is still and peaceful, even in the midst of failed plans. Now, to kind of help us put some feet on this and really see what it means to make a choice, uh, we have a very wonderful uh, volunteer. She volunteered before the service. Her name is Becca, and she is uh, somewhere, or there she is, and she's walking around because we have the mysterious disappearing center aisle. And this is Becca, and we're all excited that Becca's coming. We're really excited. 
At least I am. Half of us are clapping. We're all going to whoop or clap or something because we're excited about Becca. Becca Sanford, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, Becca is one of our, she's in our leadership here at Grace. She is one of our uh, coaches, which means she trains our leaders in how to lead. Uh, And she is really just one of my favorite people. But here's the thing, Becca, we don't fully know you because we don't actually know, and I don't actually know this, your middle name. What is it? Lynn. Lynn. Excellent. Okay. Uh, with that out of the way, uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, that's awesome. So we all know Becca Lynn Sanford a little bit better now. Uh, but here's the thing, Becca, though we know you, yeah. you don't know the path your life is about to take because I'm about to present you with a decision, <laughs> with a choice. Okay. It's, yeah, I know. It's going to be okay though, uh, because Becca, basically I have two options for you, two things that you can take home uh, and make your very own forever and ever, okay? Um, in one bowl, I have wonderful marshmallow. We brought back the sand cam, uh, formerly the baptism cam. Now it's the marshmallow cam. Uh, and it is giving you a beautiful view. Oh, look at these. They're huge. They're gigantic marshmallows, perfect for roasting over an open fire uh, in February. Uh, and we have over here uh, your other option, your other, the other decision, the other choice you can make. Uh, we have uh, basically living marshmallows, which are mice. Uh, so we have two white mice. Uh, one of them's like, I get to leave, and he doesn't. Uh, but they were sleeping in the first service. They're awake now. Hallelujah. And they are excited to meet you, Becca. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing, Becca. You are about to choose which of these objects to take. But I don't want you to rely on your primary, you know, senses. I don't want you to rely on sight. It's a thing that you use all the time. Um, and so we're going to blindfold you. Yeah, no, it's going to be great. Uh, so you'll blindfold yourself. You make it nice and tight so you can't see. Uh, and basically what's going to happen, Becca, is you are, you can start blindfolding yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as you blindfold yourself, I'll explain. You're about to just dig your hand into uh, one of these bowls, right? And I'm going to kind of mix up a little bit. Hold on, I'm going to mix. I'm mixing them up a little bit. You got, is it on tight? Can you see anything? Wait, hold on. Can you see anything? You good? You tight? I'm good. You blind? Okay. All right. So, Becca, I'm mixing up these bowls. I'm swirling them around, and I am just mixing them back and forth and back and forth. Because, again, I don't want you to rely on memory or sight. Uh, and what's going to happen is as you dive, as you put your hand into one of these bowls, you're, you take whatever you grab home forever, okay? So um, our formerly three mice are now two because we had a 915 service, and we have uh, an option for you, and it's going to be great. But here's the thing. I don't want to leave you defenseless, okay? I don't want to leave you completely, uh, uh, you know, unsure of what's happening. So here's the table. Put your hands on the table. Uh, you can reach them forward a little bit. Just leave them right there. So you see the bowls. There's a left bowl and a right bowl. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, you are going to rely upon the resources that God has given you, not your sight, uh, but you can use your hearing, for example. So I'm going to uh, hold. Okay, so this is the left bowl. I'm holding it up next to your ear. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm going to hold this right bowl. Oh, goodness. Um, back down. Okay. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. All right. So I'm holding up this right bowl next to your ear. Okay. You got it? You got the full experience? All right. So uh, now that I've held them up to your ears, you've heard them a little bit. All right. I might switch them a little bit. Okay. And now what you're going to do is you're going to rely on the people that God has put in your life. Okay. It's not just, you're not in this decision alone. You have people. And so you're going to hover your hand over one of the bowls and we're going to see who wants Becca to choose that bowl. Okay. So hover your hand over okay. one of the bowls. Okay. Okay. So one, one at a time. Don't do both. That'd be very confusing. So one hand. Uh, okay, here's the, here's the right bowl. So who, who wants Becca to choose this bowl? Yeah. 
Some people, all right? What about the other one, though? Uh-oh. <laughs> but see, Becca, here's the moment where you have to ask yourself, what, what do they want, right? What's their end goal? What are they here for? What do they really want to see? So, uh, using the discernment, the, the mind that God has given you, using the people that God's put around you, using the, your sense of hearing, which God has equipped you with, you are now going to just take a step of faith. You are going to make a decision. You're going to just stick your hand into a bowl, and you're going to grab whatever you can find, okay? On the count of three, it's going to be great. It's going to be great, all right? So, remember, here's the bowls. All right, so, count of, yeah, yep. So, just think about it. What's your gut? What's your leaning right now? I want to know. So, here's the deal. Uh-huh. I know that there are several people in this room that want to see me stick my hand in the mouth bowl. Uh-huh. And so, I have a feeling I should do the opposite. Okay. So, people yelled for both, though. So... <laughs> We'll just, all right, I like it, though. I like the process. All right, so on the count of three, everyone's going to do a pitter-patter, drum roll on their thighs. Count of three. One, two, three. You pick a ball, and you're going to stick your hand in. You're going to grab. Oh, no, my goodness. Oh, no, you got to do it. You got to commit. You got to commit. You got to commit. You got to commit. Oh. Are you disappointed? It's a dead mouse, Becca. No, no, just kidding. No, Becca, look, here's the thing. Here, you can take your blindfold off. You can eat the marshmallow. Well, I don't know if you can. But here's the thing, Becca. Here's the, oh, wow, okay. Becca. Okay, there we go. There you go. So you chose a marshmallow. Congratulations. You didn't choose one of these. All right, yeah, I know, I know. All right, but that was great. We are also proud of Becca. Thank you so much. Yeah, you can take that home. Yeah, you can eat it. I'm going to keep these bowls. Um, Thank you. Uh, so as Becca just showed us, you know, decision-making can be hard. It can be difficult because sometimes there's people that yell at you because they want to see you grab a mouse. Uh, and because sometimes we find ourselves impaired in certain ways, right? We, we can't see in the future. We can't see ahead into exactly what's going to happen when we make that call. But here's the thing. A lot of times in our lives, we assume that every single decision has a mouse or a marshmallow at the end of it. Right? And this comes out of a good place. God has given us moral principles to guide and direct our behavior. God has told us with absolute clarity, hey, you should never cheat on your spouse. Right? You should never walk around with a heart of pride. Hey, you should never allow bitterness to take root in your soul. Right? There are certain moral directives that God has given us that, that provide us a way to life and satisfaction to avoid death and destruction. God has given us very clear directives that, hey, there are certain choices, there are certain paths you can walk, and it will never end well. Whether in this life or the next, it's not going to end well to make that decision, to make that moral choice. However, what we do is we take that principle, that moral will principle, and we apply it to non-moral issues and non-moral decisions. And many times we think, yeah, if I choose to go to this college, I can get a marshmallow. But if I go to that college, what if it's just mice, right? That'd be a really weird college. It'd be very small as well, right? What would I do? What's going to happen? What's the right decision? And so we'll find ourselves debating, just thinking and thinking and thinking and, and almost paralyzed in the moment unsure of what to choose when the reality is that it's all marshmallows. It is. Because what we see in Scripture is not this directive that, hey, there's always a right and a wrong decision to be made in every crossroad of life. Instead, what we see is this principle that many times the will of God is that we would make a meaningful decision, is that we would simply choose. God is clear that, hey, there are times that you come to, there are, there are moments that you come to, there are forks in the road, 
where we're, we're so worried that, oh, if I take the wrong path, I'm going to deviate from God's plan for my life, when the reality is that his entire plan is just that you would make a choice, and that you would trust him in that process. And, and this is something that's easy for us to see when, when we think of it on a, on a smaller scale versus, you know, it's hard for us to see it when, when we think it's a major decision. Uh, example being, if I, uh, as I walked into my closet this morning, uh, I had to make a choice. I had to decide what shirt shall I wear to church today, all right? And I landed on a stripey thing, right? Because the sleeves are already rolled up. And I was like, okay, done. Like, okay, I'm just going to I'm going to use the resources at my disposal. I'm going to see what's in front of me. I'm going to use my discernment. I'm going to choose, and I'm just going to move forward with that choice. And it's one of those options where, yeah, there's not really a wrong thing. I mean, some of you might say, Jacob, you have chosen the wrong shirt at times before. But generally speaking, right, there's not really a right or wrong in what shirt I might wear on any given day of the week. But many times we then assume that, yeah, that, that's, of course, that's like a small thing, but, 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 but we decide, no, there's, there's other things that we pick and choose. There's other decisions that we say, no, but this one, the college I go to, the organization I join, the major I pursue, the, the, the career I'm in, the, the person that I date, I mean, these decisions, oh, there, there's got to be some absolute right and some absolute wrong. And again, when we look in Scripture, we find that's simply not true. We can make good decisions, informed decisions. In fact, God is calling us and developing us into people that, that can make good, informed decisions with the, with the wisdom and the revelation that he's given us in, in his word, in scripture, that he's given us in our world at large, things we can learn, not just even from circumstances, but things that we can learn from the people around us. God speaks to us in all of these different ways, and he's equipped us in all these different manners so that we can make good decisions without having to worry about, man, is this, is this God's decision, right? When he's allowing us to make the call. God didn't tell me to go to Texas A&M University. He didn't. I never heard that voice. I never, I never saw that spelled in the sky in Hebrew, right? The most holy of languages. I didn't see that. I made the call and I trusted God to work. And sure enough, I've seen the Lord's hand in that choice, in that decision. God maybe didn't tell you to break up with that dude. He didn't say that to you, but it can still be a good choice, right? Because he's always like, hey, let's go buy mice and stuff. I don't know. Like maybe he does weird stuff with marshmallows and mice. You're like, I don't know. That's a good choice to to walk away from that relationship. We can make good choices without worrying, man, is this God's ultimate, absolute right choice? Because God's will in that moment for our lives is that we would simply decide. And in doing so, it develops us, it, it, it changes us, it tests our character, allowing us to make these meaningful decisions and trusting him through the process. My daughter, Charlotte, is, is beginning to make choices in her life. She's, she's dressing herself, okay? It's a big moment. Uh, she, she chooses outfits for herself. We say things like, hey, it's Valentine's Day, and she's like, say no more, and she just goes with it. Right? This morning, she picked out her dress and her headband, and it looked crazy, but we're like, you go. Like, you go, girl. And we let her, we empower her to make these decisions, right? I'm, to shape her and develop her and to help her grow, I'm consistently giving her choices. And here's the thing, I'm not giving her always these super right and super wrong 
options, right? There are times when, there are, when there's a moral decision. Charlotte, you can choose to obey me or you can choose to disobey. And there is a right and a wrong to that choice. But many times it's Charlotte, hey, we're sitting at the table, we're eating a meal. And I say, hey, Charlotte, you can eat broccoli or you can eat carrots, they're both good, nutritious things that will help you grow, help you develop. I'm not saying, hey, Charlotte, you can eat broccoli or a snake. Right? Like, that's not, that's not the option I give her. Because she would probably choose snake, I mean, to be honest. But I give her two good choices. And I do this intentionally because I know as I continue to empower her and equip her to make informed decisions, it's preparing her character, right? It's, it's strengthening her core. It's the foundation of who she is and what she can do. I'm training her to think in the right way. And God's saying, man, I'm, I'm going to give you meaningful choices. When we look at the life of David, we see him come to multiple moments where he's making a decision, and it's beautiful because he goes through that process with a heart that's just in the right place. It's a heart that, that takes the time to be informed, When we look at this one decision that he makes in 2 Samuel chapter 7, basically David is in a moment of calm, a peaceful time in the nation. God's given him victory over his enemies, and so he's kind of sitting around, and he realizes something. And he goes to Nathan, the prophet, so God's kind of spokesperson to the nation at the time. He goes to Nathan, he says, look. Literally, he says, behold, I am living in a palace made from cedar. Ah, ooh, cedar. It's a good wood. That's all you need to know. Okay, it's good. Ooh, ah, mm. Cedar. (laughs) I don't know why I made that noise. Uh, While the ark of God sits in the middle of a tent, David's looking at the state of the the nation. He says, man, I live in this awesome, super cool, good-smelling cedar palace, but God's throne, right? It's this, this, what they called the ark of the covenant. It was a symbolic throne of God, and it, it was his seat, and so they was sitting in, in a temporary structure in this tent that they would set up and break down. It was the tabernacle. It was this kind of mobile uh, temple that they would use uh, for the tabernacle, or sorry, for the Ark of the Covenant. And so uh, when David looks at that, he's like, man, that doesn't seem right, right? So he, he goes to Nathan. He's like, I, I feel like there's a, there's a gap here, right? I want to I fix this. And so Nathan replies to the king. He says, well, you should go and you should do whatever you have in mind for the Lord is with you, right? Nathan hears David's stance. He's like, man, I didn't think about that. You should, you should totally go do something about that, right? If that's on your heart, if that's in your mind, you should go and do that. That, is, that seems like a wise course of action, to go and serve God, to, to worship God in that way. And what's cool is that uh, not only is David kind of going through this in, in a wise way that we'll unpack in a second, but he's coming at it with, with the right motivation. He's coming at it with a, with a pure heart, with the right motives. When we look back at this, when his son Solomon looks back at this in Second Chronicles 6, he's kind of summarizing this moment. And he says, my father David, he had a strong desire to build a temple to honor the Lord God of Israel. And the Lord told my father David, it is right for you to have a strong desire to build a temple to honor me. God, is a, God affirms the heart of David in this moment. He says, man, I, I love your desire. I love your desire to glorify me. I, I love the decision that you've come to, right, through, through a, a wise process. What we see David doing as he's approaching Nathan is that he's, he's starting off from a place of peace, right? Many times when we are looking at a situation, we're looking at a decision, we don't give ourselves the time or the space to just sit. 
But that's how we see David start in 2 Samuel 7. He's just sitting before the Lord. Still. We need that. If we're faced with a decision, we're faced with a choice, I mean, we should be sitting, we should be still. Resting. And then David doesn't just find that peace. He then finds the people that he knows and trusts to inform his decision. He goes to Nathan. You should have people in your life who can speak clearly wise things. You, sh- you should have people you can trust. If that's something that you're like, man, I, I don't know if I have that. I don't, really, I don't really have people that have the same priorities or the same direction. I don't know if I have people that I, I really trust. We would love to find your people. We would love to connect you with people who you can know, who you can trust, who have your back. Right? Community is so crucial, not just so that you can, you can rejoice together and struggle together. Community is so important because you speak wisdom into each other's lives. God speaks through you to, to guide and direct other people. And sometimes there's people you can't really trust. And other times there, there's people that you absolutely should in, in certain circumstances, right? Becca couldn't trust every whoop and yell because apparently she has friends that want to see her destroyed, uh, which is really what friends are for. So that, I get it. I get it. But there are certain times, certain people that we can trust over others. And David says, I'm going to go to Nathan, the, the prophet for our nation. I'm going I'm to ask this guy that I trust me, what do you think about this decision? And, and then what we didn't see because it was before, and if we kept reading, we'd see it after. David is doing all of this thing also uh, with a heart that, that's focused on prayer, right? He's not just informing himself with this kind of peaceful moment with the people around him. He's, in, he's being informed by prayer. He's going before the Lord, and he's saying, God, I, I want to make the right decision. God, I, I want you to speak. I want you to, to guide and direct me in this process. So we might not get that audible voice of be the social chair, right? We might not get the, the, that, the word, the writing on the wall of date Jim. Uh, I don't know, people named Jim anymore? But, you know, we don't, we don't see that. We might never see that. We might but we might not. And David's saying, I, I, I want to make sure that my heart is in the right place because as I'm informing myself in this way, what's happening is he's, he's checking his motives. He, he's running, he's asking himself, man, what are my reasons? And it's something that we should be asking ourselves. We should always walk into these decisions, these choices saying, man, what, what's my ultimate motivation? Where's my heart? Where's my heart in this moment? Am I walking into this with the desire, as, as Solomon put it, to, to, to build, to honor, to truly honor the Lord? Do I want to go to Dallas because I, I want God to be glorified through me in that place? Or do I just want to go there because it's where I know a couple people and there's, you know, this job that I think sounds cool or whatever? Am I wanting to date this person because I really believe that, that, that God can be glorified through our relationship? Or am I just seeking out this relationship because I don't want to be alone? And now what's, what's cool is that our, our God has told us, Paul writes in Philippians how, how many times we will find ourselves stepping into things for the wrong reasons. And that doesn't derail the will of God. God says, I, I want you to obey and I'll, I'll work on your motives in, in the process. Right? So sometimes we even paralyze ourselves and think, oh, I can't make a decision or I can't go out for that leadership spot or I can't date that person because, oh, what if, what if I've got the wrong reasons? Like, and, and if that's really the case, if there really is some, some pride or some, some, some muddy, you know, that water's kind of murky, 
God says, well, I, I still want you to step forward and trust that I can change your heart, that I can work through these things, that I can work through some of those wrong motivations. But we need to recognize, man, I, I can work hard in school and I can join that organization. I can date that person. I can be faithful and I can, I can use the gifts that God has given me for a better purpose, for a higher reason, other than just my self-glorification, my self-edification. I can do it for the glory of God. Paul says we can do all things for that purpose, to glorify the Lord. So check your motives, check your heart. And as we step forward in that, what we see with David is that he's got this right motivation, but even then he runs into a barrier because that night the Lord told Nathan, he says, go tell my servant David this. Tell him this is what the Lord says. Do you really intend to build a house for me to live in? And see, we kind of, we miss it in the English, but in the Hebrew there's this, there's this implied no. There's kind of this implied, like, the answer to this is, is a negative. In other words, God is saying to David, hey, you're not really going to build a house for me. That's what he leads off with. Hey, you're not really going to, you're not going to do this. Because sometimes, even though we walk into something with the right desire, it can still lead us to an unexpected destination. It can lead us to a surprising destination. My, my wife and I, uh, when we, uh, we got married right out of college. I graduated December uh, we got, of 2009, uh, and we got married of, in January of 2010. And our plan was we're going to get married and we're going to immediately, we're going to move to Dallas. We're going to go, I'm going to get into seminary. Uh, She's going to do this internship thing. It's going to be great. We'll live in this area and we'll go to work in that area and we'll like have these things and these friends. We'll do all this. Awesome plan. Awesome plan. Uh, But as we approached that day, people were speaking into our life and they were like, hey man, that's a lot of transit. That could be a lot at once, right? You guys are still young. You're still kind of getting your feet. Maybe just take a semester. Take just one semester, five months. Take five months to just sort of get settled and kind of figure things out, you can go in the summer. We're like, oh, so true. And so we pushed it. We wait. Okay, we'll wait like five months and then we'll go to Dallas and we'll do all these things. So the semester goes by. It was a wonderful semester. These people were correct. It was, it was great to see the Lord work through that time. Uh, but right as we were preparing to leave that, that summer, again, people were speaking in and kind of opportunities arose where they're like, hey, we would, we, what about if you stay for one more year, just one more year, get a little bit more ministry experience. I was working here at Grace at the time. Like, get, get a little bit more experience before you go to seminary. Hey, you, you can help us kind of set up these different things with junior high ministry here at Anderson. Just one more year. One more year. We're like, okay, yeah, for, for sure. That sounds great. So we stayed for one more year. We get towards the end of that year. We're ready to go. We know where we're going to go. We're going to work here and learn there. And, and all of a sudden people are like, hey, what about Staying, Susan could do nursing school at A&M. Oh, what it, listen, we have this new youth thing at Southwood. Uh, it's, it's really new. We need someone to spearhead it. Just two more years. Just two more years. Just give us two more years. I'm like, okay, um, maybe, right? Like, and, and in that process, we were just, we were like, okay, just a little bit longer, a little bit longer. Get to the end of that two years. They're like, hey, thanks for doing the Southwood youth thing. So here's the thing. Uh, Anderson College, we need someone to step into there and kind of help. And, and now I'm here, and I've been in Anderson College for, this is my fifth year now. Uh, we are eight years beyond the day we thought we were moving. Uh, and I am 30 years into living in the town where I was born, and I feel a little suffocated, right? And it was never my original planned destination to be here, right here, right now. It never was my, that was, this is not the destination I had in mind. It's not. But what's incredible 
is that despite the difference of my destination, despite the product looking a little bit different than what I thought, the process has been wonderful. The journey has been incredible. And I've seen the Lord move through it. And I've seen the Lord answer and fulfill a decision that I made well before I ever decided I was going to go to Dallas. I see the Lord putting me in places where I can fulfill the decision that I made walking into college, where I said, I want to open up my future, and I want to hand it to God, and I want to go and be used by him. I felt called to ministry. I felt this tug to serve the Lord with, with my all day, every day. And, and, and I said, okay, I want to go to a place where I can present God's truth in a clear and compelling manner. And it's, that's where I am. It's exactly where I am. And it's where I've been every moment of every day for the last eight years. And it's something that I've seen God accomplish despite my best efforts. But the decision to serve God, I mean, that, that, that's, that, was, that was the transcendent calling. Right? That, was, that was the ultimate goal. And so even though my destination is different, the decision has been, it's been met and it's been blessed. And I've been so thankful for the opportunity that I have. I, I've gotten to, 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 to experience the joys of a, long, of a longevity of ministry that I wouldn't have otherwise known. I've gotten to see relationships change and, and develop. I've gotten to see uh, uh, some of my old youth kids. Uh, I've, they've been in college ministry. They've come through college ministry. And they've, they've gone away and they've got married to each other, like I would do the ceremony, and they like have kids, I have youth kids with kids. I'm like, what? What have you brought into the world? Like, what's going on? And it's amazing. I love it. I saw even at the first service, I saw one of my youth kids, do anyone, did I have any youth kids here? <gasps> Dawson. <laughs> Dawson is here. Dawson and I met, gosh, Dawson, where are you, seventh grade? Ugh. What year are you now? Oh, goodness. So Dawson... <laughs> is a junior in college. And I've known Dustin for a very long time. And I'm so grateful for that time that I've had with Dustin. I'm so grateful for the, for the length of that relationship, for, for, for the connection that God built and strengthened over time. And sometimes we look at our lives and David looks at this decision and he thinks, oh man, did I make the wrong call, right? If God's gonna say no, if God's gonna kind of redirect David's path, is, is he like, man, did I make the wrong decision? But he didn't. Right? He didn't make the wrong decisions, just the destination looks different. God looks at David and he says, look, this is what's going to happen. This is what the Lord of hosts says. I took you from the pasture and from your work as a shepherd to make you leader of my people Israel. He says, I've been guiding you and I've been directing you. I've put you in this place for the reason. And if we kept reading, we would see that God outlines this plan to use David's family, to use his son specifically to build the temple. God says, no, David, I'm going to work through your line. I'm going I'm I'm to build that temple with your son at the helm. And what we get to see is in the life of David, he actually lines up the resources and the people. Man, he gets, he gets everything together so that his son basically just gets to kind of push start and it just happens. And we get to see that, that even though David made this decision that leads him to a spot, it wasn't the wrong call. It was still a good desire. It was still a good decision to, to start down that road because otherwise God wouldn't have had the opportunity to show him, hey, this is what I have planned. This is actually the path you're going to walk. And David gets to hear that. And his response is incredible. He says, who am I? 
right? Sitting before God, returning to that original posture rather than seeing his plans fall apart and getting mad and taking a stand for what he thinks is right or, or just kind of giving up all hope. And, or instead of just scrambling for a plan B, he goes and he sits before God. And he says, who am I? Oh, Lord God. And what is my family that you should have brought me to this point? He says, you never had to tell me. You never had to show me this path before me. He says, you never had to give me this clarity of the future. He says, and yet you did. He says, I'm so grateful for that. God, I'm so thankful that your plans are greater and higher. God, I'm so grateful that you're still in control. God, I'm so grateful that I can trust you in the midst of, of choices, in the midst of destinations that maybe don't look exactly how I originally pictured them. But God, I trust that you're in control. I see that it's not a rejection, it's just a redirection. I mean, there's some of us that are looking at choices right now, at decisions, at paths to take that can seem daunting, that can seem terrifying. But we see the life of David. We see this example of this heart that's still before God that that goes through a wise decision-making process. And then regardless of the result, trusts that God is ultimately in control. Trusts that God is going to close doors where they need to be closed and open opportunities where they need to be taken. He's trusting that God's thoughts are bigger. That's Psalm 139, that God's thoughts are so much greater. His plans are so much bigger. He says, God, I can trust you in that. And that's what we can have, right? We can can look at these examples. We can look at this revelation. We can recognize, wow, God, you're still in control. And, And we're looking at these big Big decisions about our destination or, or about our career. And, and I don't say this enough, but if you're at a spot where I was even, if you're looking at me, and I don't know if I'm walking into a life of ministry, vocational ministry or not, please come talk to me. Please come talk to me at the end of this service. I would love to connect with you. I'd love to get buy you lunch. And I would love to talk with you about that. It's something I'm so passionate about of looking ahead of what that might look like. Maybe you're looking at not just your vocation, you're looking at the person you want to be with forever and ever. You're like, we've been dating for two years and well, now what? You know, like maybe you have some other big decision. You, you, you're looking, you're, you're changing majors, you, you, you just transferred in. You're like, where, where am I headed? What am I doing? Man, whatever it might be, we're looking at these decisions and we're looking at these choices and, and God's saying, I want you to still trust me. I want you to use wisdom and discernment to make a call, just decide. But I want you to trust me in that process so that if I do take a stronger hand in directing that path, you're still good with it. You're still okay. And we can do this with confidence as believers. We can trust that our God is in control because that's how we got here. By the fact that our God had a better plan that our God had a better way, that when we were sick and broken and dead in our sins, lifeless in a destructive world, God looked and he said, it's not good. And I'm going to make a way when there was no way. I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ, to step out of heaven and onto earth, to live the perfect life that we simply cannot live, to die the death that we all deserve because of our mistakes, and yet then rise again three days later to prove that he has power over those things that held us down, those chains that bound us. As believers, as Christians, that's what defines us. We're people of faith 
who look at the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we say, that's, that's the way, like that's the truth, that's the life, that's what I want. That's the name I'm going to call on. That's, that's the family I want to be adopted into. And so because of that, when we look at the decisions ahead of us, as we look at these branching paths in our road, we can say, God, I trust you with my eternity, so I'm going to trust you with my tomorrow. God, I'm going to trust you that you're still moving. And, and there's going to be times where you graciously allow me to make a meaningful decision. And God, that's, that's awesome. And it's going to develop me. It's going to change me. It's going to grow me in ways that I can never expect. And God, I trust you that you've got my back, that you're with me to the end of the age, even through that process. But as I said, God has given us resources and, and people and, 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 and wisdom to make these decisions well. So find those people in your life. Think about me. Who is that, that that gives you wise counsel? Do you need to find that? Do you need to seek that out? Do you need to talk to one of us, one of our leaders, one of our staff about finding that for your life? Do you, do you have space that you say, man, I'm going to carve this out to, to make this decision, to really just think? Do you have time that you've set aside to say, I'm going to go before the Lord with this non-moral, unclear, future-focused decision? I don't know what you're looking at. I don't know the decision exactly that you're making. But I know that God is equipping you and empowering you to move forward in faith, trusting that he's, that he's got you. So let's go before him now and ask him to, to give us that confidence. Lord, we, we thank you that you've given us, Lord, just so many opportunities to, to see your work, Lord, to trust your faithfulness, Lord, even as we fail. God, we would just, we, we ask that you, would, that you would comfort our hearts and our minds. That, God, you wouldn't allow us to, to fret and to worry, Lord, to, be, to, to stress. And as people who, who don't have hope, as people who don't have a, a higher, better hope outside of this world, Lord, we, we want to walk forward as a people of peace, as a people of, of faith that trusts you in every moment, in every decision. So if you would take a moment right now and just pray that God would, would move you, that he would move you forward, that maybe some of us, our problem is that, we, um, that we're just stuck. We, we, we sit and we just think and we think and we think and we think and we never act. If that's you, you pray, God, God move me forward, to push me to make that step to make that call, to, to, to make that decision. Some of us, we rush ahead without thinking and we need God to move us back and we need God to sit us down, to be still before him. I don't know where you're at or where you're headed, but God does. So take this moment and pray, God, show me what's my next step. Lord, how can I trust you in the decisions that are ahead? Pray that, ask him that right now.